may not have a film fixation, but we're here for a noir education. Welcome to A Real Education Noir. I am Melissa and I'm here with Tanya and Allie. And the three of us today will be watching a movie called Sweet Smell of Success. So ladies, what do we know about this movie? Um, Tony Curtis. Oh, that's what I got. I didn't know that. Uh, I cheated and asked while you were out of the room. (laughs) That's literally all I got. That was because I cheated. Um, I'm going to guess, based on the introduction Melissa gave last episode, it's about politics. In part, yes. Yes, there's more going on than politics. But yes, yeah, politics. Sweet. All right. I'm in for this. Awesome. Yeah. So I figure um, this is going to be, you know, a good good movie for this season. Okay. Uh, especially as a lead-in for what I have planned next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is a movie I only saw about a year ago for the first time. And okay. I was really impressed by it. Um, I'm really excited to see it again. I just bought the Blu-ray from the Criterion Flash Ooh. sale. Uh, nice. Uh, and it is, uh, the box is very beautiful, so I imagine the movie inside will also be very, especially beautiful. Cool. So it is is uh, 1957. It does star Tony Curtis. It also has Burt Lancaster. And uh, it is uh, a really fascinating script. And the uh, cinematography is gorgeous. It's very much into the black and white photography. Okay. And uh, I think you guys will uh, really enjoy it. So, dear listeners, uh, please go look for A Sweet Smell of Success. It's been on Hulu in the past. I haven't specifically looked for it there recently, but uh, it's usually there. Um, check it around. It'll, it should be on one of the uh, streaming services. So, Oh, but it's yeah. Criterion. It is Criterion. So, so if you got the new Criterion streaming service that they put together with TCM, yep. then it would be on there. It should be there. Presumably, yes. That's right. That's right. So, uh, dear listeners, go find it, and uh, we will join you quickly after this brief musical interlude after we have watched the film, and we can all discuss it together. Yay! Yay! See you soon. And it looks like my friends here really want to say things. So I just want to like start out by saying, after we finished this film, the room fell into absolute silence and Tanya and I just kind of kept our mouths shut <laughs> as hard as we possibly could. That doesn't happen very often. Like, nope. like physically hands over mouth. Yes. Like, I, I need to save it for the podcast. Oh my God. I have no mouth and I must scream. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my feels. <laughs> Many. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. You go first. Go for it. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> like it's like primal screen like, therapy in here. Jesus, motherfucking assholes! I hate yeah. those people. Yeah, I actually did not enjoy this film like at all. It's very okay. pretty, mm-hmm. and like, uh, and I, I'm not arguing that it's not a good film. Well, yeah, it is a yeah. good film. 
I didn't like anything in the film. It's like an aggravating film. There was watch, there yeah. was not nothing about this film that I liked except for like the very very end. Yes. and I hated everything I had to go through to get to that point. <laughs> I, I this is a film that I will like recommend to people and never watch myself again. Yeah, fair, fair. I can definitely see that because it, it was oh, so flames. On the side of my face. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It was definitely an exercise in aggravation and just being so angry at everything happening at all times. I started out okay. Like, I was like, all right, this guy's a snake. I can deal with this. This is cool. And then it just kept escalating. I was like, where is the line drawn? I they, they mm. left the line. Yeah, the line. Like, was there was several no, miles back. Yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah. Like I, yeah. Yeah. they had they had no line. No, it, it's just no. It just it, kept going. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Burt Lancaster. We, Burt <sighs> Lancaster. I don't think he ever had a line to start with. Oh, no. Like, no, no, he did not. Because skeezy. Ugh, she's a mm-hmm. like, so gross. Ew. Which I mean, it was played knowingly. Like yes. this, it was oh. not played like because there are movies like oh, that yeah, that are yeah, like, we're... oh, it's okay, it's brotherly. Like this movie does, no, no, no. is not no. trying to pretend no, no, no. like, oh no, no, he's just a concerned brother. No, it's no. like there is something nope. very, very, very wrong with this picture. They, they subtexted the shit out of that. <sighs> And oh, and, I just it makes me feel like I'm being crawled over by worms. I know. And just, I like I need a shower. Yeah, like to like wash the grime off of and me. Like, see, I at first I thought the Falco character was kind of like, okay, he's pissed at this guy. He's gonna try yeah. and get him back. At yeah. the same time, he's trying to like save his own career. And yeah, at first his motivation seemed like okay, I get it. You know, every everybody does things that they're not proud of. Yeah, once like, in a while. like to, you're like to, he was trying to get out from under his thumb at the yeah. same time, and like you know. So I thought, okay, he's he's got motives against the arch dude. Yeah. So. We, we can work with this. Moral yeah. ambiguity happens. It's okay. Mm-hmm. People are complex. Yeah, but no, he was not an anti-hero. And then no. No. Just more no, no and more no on top of that. And dear fucking lord. Right. I'm just swearing all up and down because that's all I can do right mm-hmm. now. You know, just, yeah, like, poor Adam-12, dude. Right? Yes. <laughs> oh, no, the Steve Dallas. Yes, yes. yes. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm staring at him like, I know this. Oh, shit, Adam 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I I really, really, really hate Burt Lancaster right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Wait, it's such an atypical role for him. Yeah. I know, which is why and I love, it's so amazing. Yeah, I love watching his performance in this because it's, oh my God, I hate you. Yeah, yes. yeah. And and the the script oh, that they've been given. I felt like I was watching um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf oh. at some point. About that. <laughs> ah, I mean, random trivia, unknowing hit upon point system. Yeah. Er- Ernest Lehman, uh, well, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? The play was written by Edward Albee. Yep. Lehman adapted it for the screen. Ah. He, he also wrote the screenplays for Family Plot, North by Northwest, Sound of Music, West Side Story. All right, then. All this stuff. Yeah. Uh, the King and I. But <sighs> definitely this is uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf Land. Hot. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Like, there was everybody, all the women in this movie deserve, like, a million bazillion dollars. And I, right. I love... Just 
I love that the like the movie is aware that oh yeah yeah and th- these are super self aware women that yes it's like you guys are snakes and fuck you yeah yeah and yet because of social constraints mm-hmm. they still have to literally fuck with them mm-hmm. yeah literally yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, there is apparently a scene that was cut from the film oh. where apparently uh, uh, Falco's secretary yeah. and Falco had a thing. I'm not surprised yeah. by that no. because otherwise, why the fuck well, would she in the be-, be around? Well, in the beginning, she's clearly mooning over him. You oh, know, totally. Mm-hmm. So, oh, well, but I would be interested because I was reading her IMDb sure. trivia to mm-hmm. see that yes, she had actually a significant role. Yeah, and it was all cut. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah I'm kind of disappointed because I would have liked to have seen yeah. what that was, and at the same time, I'm glad I didn't have to suffer through more of this film. Yeah, the, the production <laughs> of this. The Good pr- point. The production of this film was kind of a mess because it started out as being fairly low budget, like a six hundred thousand dollar budget or so. Mm-hmm. Um, another two million got lumped onto it by the time it got done. Wow. Um, the it, Edward Lehman had to drop out of production uh, because of stomach problems and because of various other things. So um, another writer came in, um, Cliff, Cliff, what's his nose? Anyway, uh, he, this other writer was like holed up in a hotel room doing quick rewrites as they were filming the movie and they were delivering pages to the set day by day. Um, Yeah, it was, it was, uh, Kind of a mess. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it, it, the production company behind it was uh, Burt Lancaster's own production company that okay. he formed with Ben Hecht and uh, Hill. I forget the uh, Hill's first name. But um, the, uh, it was around for a while. Eventually it folded. But this is more seen, seen more fondly in hindsight rather than, you know, yeah. where it, yeah, I don't think out. this would have played well box office wise when yeah. it came out. Yeah, I mean, like, because this predates uh, Virginia Woolf, doesn't it? Yeah, Virginia Woolf was what sixty three. This was yeah, fifty seven. Yeah, so that yeah. makes sense. And this is super dark, even oh, for yeah. late fifties. Oh yeah, VR. like I was surprised yeah. that a lot of it got through, mm-hmm. like censor wise. I think the only reason any of it got through was because in the end. Yeah, the only person that doesn't get theirs in an obvious fashion is the cop, which pissed me off a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I am upset about that as well. And at the same time, it's like, well, when do cops right. ever I know. really but it, get? But it, it, it kind of surprised me. But uh, at the same time, that, they made yeah. it ambiguous enough that like, well, he didn't know yeah. that the stuff was planted. He didn't know he was being mm-hmm. used. But it's like, yeah, yeah he knew. He knew. Yeah, like, they, you they, can't tell me he didn't know. He feeds the dude info, like, gross yeah. info for his column. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that cop knew. But I guess you can make a case that it was ambiguous enough that he doesn't fall under the Hayes Code of needing to get his well, ass kicked. I, okay. I kind of feel like that cop is actually the same character as the, the Orson Welles character in Touch right. of Evil. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that, that's in my that's head. That's how canon. I feel. That makes sense. That's in my I head. I like canon. that head canon. Like, after this, he moves. join ours. On yeah, the road trip. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 just careen off the cliff. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. But um, yeah, I feel like this cop yeah. moves down to the Mexico border. Yeah. Do you think Hayes code wise, like they get like a starting bonus level of, <laughs> of, of, of 
weirdness because they're cops. Like they they start with fifty points oh, oh, and everybody oh. else starts at zero, that and so your morality be. scale is like oh, skewed. That could be because Hayes Code was like yay cop, even if cops yeah. become ambiguous. But I mean, this is fairly late, though. Mm-hmm. I mean. It, by this yeah. time, you know, Hitchcock has been, That's uh, true. you know, pushing the envelope pretty heavily. I don't know. But like, so, I mean, there it, it mm, did get relatively mm. lax by this point. And then, of course, by the time Virginia Woolf comes out, it's... Yeah. So, the chess versus checkers line? Yeah. That was cute. They referenced that in Training Day. Oh, yeah. Now I know where that comes from. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking awesome. <laughs> I just, like my brain like did little explodey things when that happened. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. The, the, I love this script though. I mean the just yeah. there oh. like every scene has at it least pops, like, like two or three like zing lines. Oh. And, you know, the cookie full of arsenic is probably the That uh, is really one. good. That was good. But, I loved the way um the women use silence yeah. for yes. their jabs and their consent and their, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it out loud, but you know that I'm saying fuck you mm-hmm. right now. And mm-hmm. that the men, the men don't, the men don't do it silently. Yeah. They do it with words. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was very interesting to me to watch that dynamic work because like every point a woman scores quote unquote against a dude is when she's not talking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she like, wins through action whether yeah, it's really. whether it's the secretary lady yeah. showing the column early to mm-hmm. falco mm-hmm. or it's the the sister who doesn't say that she tried to commit suicide until later when it mm-hmm. you know can be taken a different way like mm-hmm. it's it was just like I don't even know if they did it on purpose, but like I liked seeing, like, like being cognizant of that. Well, well, it's the uh, walk softly, carry big stick, yeah, thing. Mm-hmm. You know where, you know both both Tony Cur- Curtis's character and uh, Burt Lancaster's character are so involved with words and using mm-hmm. their words, you know, in their professions and you know against mm-hmm. each other and against other people. Um, the women are calculating their moves is like i can't get away with much so what are the two or three moves that mm-hmm. give me the bo- most points yeah essentially yeah. oh because <laughs> how, she... how can i leverage this with the biggest lever and it, and it doesn't make them dumb or weak no no, no it's calculation and that's yeah. and that they're I more thought, shrewd than any of the men in i this film. really yeah. liked how that came across to me mm-hmm. so like if there's one thing that i quote unquote like about this yeah. film it's the fact that the women well, specifically, Susie mm-hmm. wins, quote unquote, mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she leaves. Yes, yeah, and that's all she you can do with manipulative fuckers like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it really is, and it's shitty, and it sucks, and you lose so much. Although I was really hoping she had pushed him off the balcony. I kind of wanted that up. too, but that, I, but I then he really doesn't have hoping. to live with the fact yeah. that, yeah, then he doesn't have to live yeah. alone. Which I know, is what, that, but I was really real hoping. Revenge. That's what I really thought was yeah. when, when she's standing on the balcony. She's got that thousand yard stare. I'm like, did she push her brother over the balcony? <laughs> and which now would have been great. Right, that's what I wanted. I wanted so bad for her yeah. to have been like, we she got into a fight and I pushed him. Uh-huh. I bet the secretary does it later, like puts the rat poison in his there you coffee. Go. Oh, a little can... bit of nine to five action. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then Dolly Parton comes in and sings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. 
I love this headcanon, you guys. <laughs> so, okay, so I had a, a, a question. I wanted your opinion on the line that Rita delivers her, her last line when she... Uh, mm-hmm. Palm Springs two Palm years Springs, ago. Yeah. Don't tell, don't tell Sydney. Is that supposed to alleviate our concerns about her consent? Like, is that supposed to be the erasure? Like, it's okay. She really does do this thing. She chose. She's choosing to do this thing. It's fine. Uh, or is it her playing his game because she knows that's what she has to do to get through this situation? I've, like, I, I couldn't I, decide. I have to say it's both. Okay. Because it it does give the audience the uh, cosine of like whether this is right for her or not, whether she actually wants it or not, Mm -hmm. she is physically assenting. Right. To the situation. Right. Because I I couldn't decide if like, okay, is she playing along? Is she, she, okay, I'll pick this location. Let's just do this. No, I Or if she's saying, no, really, really, we did meet in Palm Springs two years ago. I think she really did meet him in Palm Springs. I couldn't decide if she was just. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, I think that's supposed to give, I mean, like, she's, quote unquote done this before right. it makes it something that we know so this isn't like the first time she isn't being totally ruined by sin right like, like uh, I, which i have mixed feelings on yeah i know she, you know it's it's she makes it very clear this is not what she wants to do but then i just i couldn't decide if i how i felt about the implication that no we have totally done this before yeah like Specifically, her and Mr. Tate here. <laughs> Sorry, he's Mr. Tate no, he from is, Bewitched. He's Mr. Yeah. Tate all he over is. the place, and, and I hate oh, Mr. Tate right, right? now so much. I will never be able to watch Bewitched again. That's gonna be a problem. <laughs> this is not the first place where he's been evil, though. Is it? Okay. No, I I don't remember what other movie it is, and he wasn't that bad. Okay, but he has been bad before, and I, so I've been off and on about bad. Mr. Tate for a while. Okay, now I hate him. Like, yeah. I just can't. I, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I can't. Like, he's a fantastic actor, but... Uh, oof. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he can pull so out the creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a skill. It's a, a good skill for an actor to have. Yes. That's, that's breadth. I, it is. I it would is. like yeah. it to not be so easy for people to tap into. Right? <laughs> I would love to have a harder time believing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of. Mm-hmm. I would really like my brain to think that this doesn't happen in real life. I feel like... Okay, I feel like this is where I need to make the plea like dear Chris Evans never take a role like this don't ruin, <laughs> don't ruin yourself for me please oh as my. a personal favor to me don't prove your acting depth just continue <laughs> to be good wholesome boys that I can continue to enjoy until you're old and crusty no no even no, then no, I want him crusty, to be a, I feel like I want him to be a I'll lovable old man mm, okay maybe yeah, just like like I'm selfish. I'm just. I'm just. Okay. I'm just being selfish on this one. Okay. I just want him to, to just keep. I think that's fair. You, yeah. you know, you want to retain some innocence. I, I understand that. I just. I just mm-hmm. want this one. Just this one dude, Chris Pratt. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris oh, Evans. Fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Neil Patrick Harris got ruined for being in Gone Girl. I need to hold on to something. I didn't even see that yet, man. I'm just spoiler. Sorry, wah, I'm wah, sorry. Wah, wah. <laughs> onk, onk. It's my own fault. I have kids. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris, like he went off the rails for me when he snorted cocaine oh, God, off of Rutgers. Well, yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> well, there's that. There's I, that. Yeah. There's okay. That. Okay. There's that. <laughs> Oh, but, but, oh, kudos to 
kudos to everybody in this movie mm-hmm. for bringing their A game. Oh yeah, it, everything is just yeah, top notch. Um, I think the I mean, for as just powerhouses both T- Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster are like the third megastar of this movie is a cinematographer. Yes, uh, the the cinematographer is a gentleman named James Wong Howe. A Chinese man who worked in Hollywood for 60 years as a cinematographer, nominated wow. for 10 Academy Awards, uh, won two of them. One of them was for HUD, I can, uh, and I think the other one was for, I've got it right here, The Rose Tattoo. Strangely, this one wasn't even nominated, but coincidentally, he also filmed The Third Man. <laughs> that <laughs> so, yeah. makes so much sense. Yeah, so like 25 years later, here he is bringing yep. his A-game with um, you know, newer film stock and, you know, actually shooting the yep. Manhattan at night and this super grimy, God, super brilliant. Um, detailed, deep contrast uh, photography. And it's just gorgeous and, and i mean everything about the way he uses the shadows and like even burt lancaster's glasses yeah where mm-hmm. like the way if they're over his eyes in some places and then specifically not mm-hmm. in others mm-hmm. and like then at the end when she walks into the daylight mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. like that's when i started cheering i'm like oh yeah yeah you go look at that yeah like, look at that That was not subtle. It was great. I loved that. Oh, and and there's so many just little shots. They're even just throwaway shots. Just like, oh, that's so perfect. There's one where the the policeman is getting out of the car and he's in total darkness. And there's just like this random streak of light and you catch who Mm -hmm. it is because it goes across his face. And it doesn't look deliberate at all. It's just a flash. It's like, oh, that is so, it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, the, the cinematographer on this film, unfortunately, you know, um, I don't think his name is too well known these no, days, I, which is unfortunate because he... I've seen those movies. movies. Like, I should have known it, that. Like, he know? did, you know, King's Row and uh, The Old Man and the Sea and, and Funny Lady, Seconds. But he he um, was born in China. He grew up in Washington State. Um, he started in the silent era. Wow. And... Um, Worked his way up through the film industry, uh, like under C- Cecil B. DeMille made him look uh, basically a clapboard boy. Oh, wow. And then, like, by the end of the movie, he was one of the cinematographers and worked his way up. And, um, yeah, he he was there, you know, during Japanese internment. Um, he had to wear a button that says, I'm Chinese. No, mm-hmm. really. <laughs> um... For the longest time, he couldn't marry his girlfriend because of, uh, you know, segregation laws. Mm. You know, like eventually in 1949, they were able to get married and they had to work for three days to find a judge who would marry them. And but, you know, and because of racism, he didn't do so well in the 40s. But then by the time the 50s came by, he his career was back on track and he was working through the mid 70s. And passed away only a couple of years after he was no longer able to film. So he, wow. he, in, you know, his wife was there through the end. Wow. Yeah, just a, this amazing life working in movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, amazing work on this movie. I like this soundtrack too. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Bernstein. <laughs> Elmer Bernstein. Hooray! Yay! 
and you know the uh, whatever whatever trio that was featured. Chico Hamilton. Yeah. Chico Hamilton quintet. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, some of the music was referenced in Boogie Nights. Oh my gosh! Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the songs were actually written by one of the dudes they name in the movie, mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. Fred Katz. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Yeah, there were actually uh, several movies at this time, you know, in the late 50s that were, you know, bringing in, you know, jazz musicians mm-hmm. for uh, movie roles, you know, in the background. As or, well and, they should, because and, they're yeah. freaking amazing. And, uh, Harry Belafonte. <laughs> yeah. We, at some point, we're going to watch uh, Odds Against Tomorrow, uh, which was this era featuring Belafonte and uh, directed by Robert Wise. Ooh. Yeah. That's that's good stuff. So yeah, it's it's an interesting film, and and pairing up Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster, I think, is fascinating to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Lancaster um, came out of the circus. Actually, he was an acrobat, <laughs> and he's a kid. He was like a kid from Manhattan, you know, school of hard knocks sort of thing. Joined the circus, eventually got injured, and joined the army, wound up, uh, he discovered acting while he was in the USO. Oh, the okay. And then, so by the time he got out, you know, he, he started acting, and uh, in 1946, his first film role was in, in The Killers, which is a fantastic film that we'll see at some point. And so he kind of came up through uh, the noir era, and um, he very quickly became a leading man because he has that imposing presence yep. and the he's got the jaw and the voice and the mm-hmm. body and uh he throughout the, his life you know he was always just this very striking presence on film and all, always very very healthy apparently he'd always stipulate in his contract he needed like a balance bar on set so he could stay healthy and exercise <laughs> and show off and i don't know <laughs> but okay then yeah he was super liberal he he w- was chairman of the aclu for a while oh, wow. uh, he marched with martin luther king in august 1963 right. he flew back from europe in order to do that go him uh yeah t- Tons of stuff like that. Um, he was one of the few people who actually said at the time he was an atheist. Wow. Um, wow. He turned down a role in Ben-Hur because he was an atheist. He was nice. on He was on Nixon's enemy list. <laughs> I like Burt Lancaster a little bit more now. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's even more striking to see him in a role yeah. like this where he's just Well, it, the funny thing is, like, when you think about it, it wasn't necessarily even like he was propagating a liberal or a or a conservative viewpoint or like oh his it was his yeah <laughs> it was, it, it it was, was a, more about the the yeah. the ego and the celebrity that had yeah. built up around him mm-hmm. as opposed to it was power yeah it, it was all powerful and when i'm saying this is a movie about politics it's all about power plays yeah playing people off of each other and well, it's, it's all about manipulation yeah mm-hmm. it's all about um Things that we don't say and how that affects actions other people do. Right. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. if you if you tr- twist words, you just, it has an effect and you can, there are situations where you can predict that effect as long as nobody stands up and, and calls you on your shit. Right. And I think what got to him was that he was used to having the security blanket of ego and celebrity around him, mm-hmm. and nobody called him on his shit. Nope. 
until the one dude did. Yeah. And I mean, Sydney was right when he was like, you know, you didn't break them up. You lost them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. The, the, it's one of these movies I... I mean, I know... You guys are really aggravated at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, like, it's, it's a movie that, you know, I, I think I'll, like, put in, like, every couple of years and go, this is a script, man. This is... Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, like, watching how everything comes together and how all the characters play off of each other and who knows what and who doesn't. Exactly. And it, it's not... And usually you only see things this twisty-turny when there's, like, a murder involved. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. or when you watch Virginia Woolf. Like, yeah. it's very... Exactly. It's very much that same thing to me, because it's all about the interpersonal relationships between the people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're making larger social commentary. It's all about ethics and morals, yeah. and, like... They fall into a very similar vein with mm-hmm. me, where they piss me the fuck off, and I hate the characters themselves. Right. But I find the material and the way it's discussed, and like the things that they're the zingers that they're going back and forth, fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I probably would have found this movie easier to enjoy if the treatment of the women in it hadn't been so bad. Right. Yeah. Like, or if I had seen more justice for the women yeah or by the women like that would have made it easier for me because i love like scripts like this this is this has everything i should want Mm -hmm. in a script and instead i found it so hard to watch right Mm -hmm. i i think i could have handled any one of the elements by by themselves Mm -hmm. but when you put all of those things together i was just like oh god just why why <laughs> like it's too real yeah, yeah that was the true. problem it's just like it's, it's too real yeah it's way too real if it's just one thing it's like okay it's it's one piece of fiction but you start layering and it's like oh it's not just one piece of fiction anymore it's like this is shit that happens in real life all the bothers me although i bet yeah and though i mean even though um Women's roles are getting more and more nuanced by this right. point in Hollywood history. You you'd still see a lesser movie. The women's characters would just fade into the background, and they mm-hmm. wouldn't. I feel like if the the time frame was shifted, like the movie was set ten years later, those women's those women would be able to use their agency. It's not like mm-hmm. they did not have agency. Right. Like they were completely capable of having agency. They were not able to within the time frame of 1954. Yes. Like the the movie is where that they're kind of trapped into yeah. what yeah, they need I, to I do. I, I don't disagree with yeah. that. That's not a criticism. Right. No, but, no, no, and, no. And, and it, but it feeds into that yeah. too real. I, yes. Also, yes. I yes. also think too, like as much as I liked that that was there and you could tell that the women were like active in trying mm-hmm. things as much as they were able. Mm-hmm. Like if, if they had had the opportunity to, to get their revenge, like that would have been a different movie. Oh, I absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Completely. like, I, I want to see that movie, but I want to see it. Right. As its own movie. Yeah. 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 yeah no, right. I, to- I right. totally, I, I totally get that. And I don't disagree at all. Yeah. I'm not saying that this movie should be changed. Just that those are the things that made yeah, it hard for no, me to watch. I, right. And 
I could handle all those elements if there was a difference. I, so yeah, yeah. if there was okay. a different movie with all the same elements, but the difference was the women got a sure. little bit more chance to use their agency, I'd have been okay with it. It would have been easier to watch. Sure. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. So just right. just for me personally, that was no, that was I, my sticking I, point. I, I totally understand <laughs> that because I was right there with yes. you being oh like, my oh, God. like dying whole, by degrees inside. Larry Tate <laughs> thing was so hard for me to watch. Yeah. Oh God. I thought at first that he was gonna be okay and then like, oh no. I, what is happening? Why is this happening? I, oh. As soon as he sits down with Larry Tate and he looks at the girl walking by, mm-hmm. and Larry Tate is all like, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, at first I was like, okay, uh, okay. Because he knew exactly <clears throat> what to offer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't his to offer. No, and that's. And he still made it work because he's a fucking slime ball. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh but at least she calls him on it. Oh, indeed. And oh, you, she does. Yeah, and you know she's never going to ask him for a, a favor again. Nope. And nope. she's going to tell every girl she knows. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you need a favor, you stay the hell away from Sydney. Fucking Balco. missing stare syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Oh. a little bit. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, I had a mm-hmm. question. Yeah. How much do you think... The beef between Sydney and Steve was really because Sydney did like Susie. I think Sydney would could not like Susie. Like even if even if he really did like if there was any kind of chemistry uh-huh. at all, I think Sydney would never be able to bring himself to like her because her brother is so terrifying. Okay. Because he knew oh, all okay. it would take is one fight and his career would be over. Yeah, I didn't th- I don't think he even saw her as a person. I mean, well, I think that's also part of it. She wasn't yeah. a person. She was somebody's sister. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and he, the stuff it, that he was saying to her while she was suicidal, yeah. mm-hmm. quote unquote suicidal. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I could see her kind of planning that if she's taking notes from her brother. Mm-hmm. Because she yeah. was the one that called and left the message to come over. She was the one that made sure her brother would come over. Because right. why else would her brother come home at that exact time? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I could see her, like, subtly, like... I mean, she'd been yeah. taking notes from the playbook. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think she... I think she, when when she opens the door to, to leave JJ and JJ's just standing there, I think that last look she gave him, she's like, I can play it too. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, but yeah, I think... But prior to that, I mean, I think Sydney just saw her as... Yeah. A pawn. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, up until that point, she yeah. really does. She's just shy and she hides and mm-hmm. she's she's traumatized. She is traumatized. Oh, yeah. I, like I mean, I understand why she's oh, like yeah. that, but I mean, I think I think she was person just completely persona non grata. Well, I think him. that's because we were seeing her. The the scene that makes me think that she wasn't actually, and that was just we were seeing her through like Sydney's lens for right. a lot of the movie. Yeah, is that scene in the in the coffee shop? Oh yeah, when absolutely. She and Steve sit there with coffee, uh-huh. and you can see her thinking through things, and you can see how she's different mm-hmm. when she's not under that shadow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like that made me think like. She's being treated this way because we're seeing her through that lens. And I right. think if we had f- gotten more scenes with that character by herself, mm-hmm. we might have seen her slightly differently. And I don't know. Well, I mean, I I think 
I think she sure shifted as a character just because the movie focuses so much on the yeah. Sydney and uh, Hunsaker yeah. dynamic. Because, by God, that's delicious in its own sickening, slimy way. Right. But, um... Oh! Oh! Yeah, but, but yeah, and I think seeing her as a pawn for a lot of the movie, as the audience, I don't think it's a slight on her as a character. It's the, we as an audience are kind of allowed to see what they're seeing. And right. then we're later in the movie, we're allowed this insight in that, mm-hmm. no, no, she's well, a Well, we kind of can't see it until Falco sees it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because he, when he realizes that she's not saying anything on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to make it look like he was attacking her to her mm-hmm. brother. Like, I think that's when Falco finally clues in that she's not dumb. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I think after that point, like, that's when we see her. We, mm-hmm. That's when we get a scene alone between her and... JJ, that isn't that creepy, horrible, over breakfast touching Mm. thing, kissing thing. Slimy. So gross. Oh, oh, did anybody else just want Sydney to just turn and just start making out with JJ? Like, did you ever think that there was that somewhere? Because they've been friends for Hmm. however long, right? Yeah, quote unquote yeah, friends. friends. Hmm. But it, like um, frenemies, whatever. Yeah, yeah. See, I, okay, okay. I could see that, like the hate sex thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Come on, that's the only <laughs> way in which that's that works. That's not like that's an unrequited romance. No, no. This is like hate sex. Yeah, okay, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> it would, do you think I'm it's not kind of hot? <laughs> I mean, like in its I own I'm, weird way. Unfortunately, um, I'm so repulsed by both of them. No, I, I couldn't get into that. But I can no, see. No, I'm talking about Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster. I'm oh, not talking about these characters. Oh, not the characters. Oh, okay, yeah, that I'm. I'm in for that. Uh, okay, okay cool, I'm cool, good cool. for that. <laughs> I just doesn't even need to be hate involved. Okay, I'm, I can. I can handle that. So rather than the two characters, just yes. Okay, I'm following Curtis you now. Yeah, and yeah. Lancaster. Okay. Like, I mean, oh, I can cool. see that fic cool. too. But you know, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're both New York City boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> I would not shut that movie off. No, I, just... I wouldn't either. Mm-mm. Yeah, I feel like you know that'd be like a house party, lots of drinking involved. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, they end yeah. up like you know in a pool together, a kissing match or something. Oh, oh you wrestling, yeah. wrestling. There you go. Yeah, there you go. they just start wrestling, and then all of a sudden, mm. they're the only ones in the room, and yeah, mm. it just kind of <laughs> one of them holds the other one down and. <laughs> You know? Oh, it's like one of the, these wrestling things. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's masculinity, and then and the baby oil gets spilled, then just oh. lips, and yeah, you know, yeah, okay. things happen. <laughs> We're just missing the Jello pits. <laughs> oh come on! You can't tell me JJ doesn't have a Jello pit in his little penthouse mansion. Oh, I don't feel like it. I don't think it would be Jello though. I, no, it'd be pudding. It would be pudding oh, or caviar because he's a. Barrigan prick like that. Mmm, caviar. Salty. Yep. Oh. <laughs> oh, why? <laughs> no. Why? I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry, world. I'm sorry, oh my God. listeners. I'm sorry, my fish. Oh. <laughs> what is it? Why? Can you find the fish? <laughs> Ah. Welcome oh. to Non Sequitur Theater, brought to you by Real Education Noir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Okay. okay. I, I've, um, I've got trivia about Tony Curtis. Yay! <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Save us, Melissa. <laughs> All right. Tony Curtis from the Bronx. Uh, like Lancaster, he was school of hard knocks kid. Um, like to the point where his parents gave him and his two siblings up for adoption because they couldn't afford to, wow. you know, support the children. Um, yeah, rough man. So later the parents came back to claim their kids, but then a couple years later, Tony Curtis's beloved brother got hit by a truck and died (gasps) and it just like super tragic. Um, also, Jewish. Uh, so that was hard uh, in the 30s. And uh, yeah, his, yeah, Tony Curtis's real name is uh, Bernard Schwartz. Oh. So yeah, yeah. he changed uh-huh. that by the time he got to Hollywood. Yep. Um, but to get out of poverty, he, in 1942, he enlist, enlisted in the Navy. He worked three years on a submarine. The GI Bill allowed him to go get uh, education for free. So he went to acting school and very quickly wound up in theater and uh, eventually met the, I think it was the niece of uh, David O. Selznick and wound up acting in movies. So, you know, he was in tons of things in this era. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he's he's super famous and all that stuff. You know, he was in Spartacus and and, uh, he was in a movie called The Defiant Ones a few years after this, which is really super fantastic. Oh, I with, need to see that. With, with Sidney Poitier. Ooh. Um, uh, Curtis was also uber liberal and, uh, you know, big into civil rights. And so, like, when he did The Defiant Ones, uh, he was the one who insisted that Sidney Poitier get co-billing with him. Nice. Which was really... That's a big Not deal. a thing at that mm-hmm. time, but That's that was a, a big huge deal. deal. Uh, so yeah, he was, uh, kind of a cantankerous old coot in his later years. He disinherited all of his children, uh, <laughs> he, uh, all that stuff. He's the father of Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Yep. The daughter he had with, uh, uh, uh Janet Lee. Oh, Janet, Janet Lee. Lee. He's sorry. Lee. I knew that as soon as I said it. I'm like, I wait, too. wrong mm-hmm. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wrong name. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, he died only recently. He lived until 2010. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was that's really right. recent. Okay, okay. and which which film series did he use to like do the the opening for? Like, was it a Turner Classic Movies thing or like a biography? Oh, you know what I'm talking crap. about? Crap. Because uh, like, I'm not going to be able to pull that out of my head. I know what you're talking about. Because all I can ever think of when I hear him is like he'll, he'll do the intro. Hi, I'm Tony, I'm Tony Curtis. Curtis. And, like that's. Every yeah. time that pops into my head, like AMC, maybe like some something, something like, like that. that. He did he did for one of the movie channels. Okay, like, yeah, of it. yeah, because it was something it that like from my childhood. Like, yeah. that I watched a ton of movie channel oh, yeah. stuff as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Tony Curtis. He, yeah, he and Peter Graves. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could look it up, but my phone batteries die, and so yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. The internet exists, listeners. If you care enough, you can look it up. <laughs> Or you might be yelling it at us right now. Yeah. You guys are so dumb, it's this. Yeah. And by all means, please put that in the in comments. Yeah, somewhere. write us comments. Send us an Absolutely. email. Right. Says, Allie, you're a fucking idiot. It's this thing. How did you not know this? Like, do it. I, I dare you. Yeah, it's the, it's the equivalent of diabetes commercials in Wilford Brimley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Diabetes. Right? Diabetes. Yes. You diabetes. check your blood sugar and you check it off and <laughs> I I do that to my dad sometimes because my dad is diabetic. I'm like, hey. What did Wilfred Brimley tell you? <laughs> oh, he wasn't the thing. 
<laughs> oh. oh man, everybody was a thing in that movie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just scrolled up in my notes and I, uh, there were a couple of notes I forgot about Burt Lancaster and these are super fun. So I, I've got to, I've got to divulge them. There was apparently one Oscar party where Burt Lancaster showed up wearing nothing but a G string and gold paint. Oh my <laughs> to pose God. As the Oscar. I want! Right? Beautiful. I want photos. Yeah. And the, the other thing was, um. The Bad News Bears was written by his son. Walter Matthau's character is based on Burt Lancaster. Really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Brain. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> um, also, interesting thing about this movie, the director was Alexander McKendrick, who was this British director who is probably best known for his work in Ealing Studios. So he oh, did a, okay. he was writer director of the man in the white suit. Yep. And um, also the lady killers. Ooh, right. The first one. Yeah. Nice. Well, the second one was the Coen brothers. Well, yeah, I know, but yeah. <laughs> I'm dumb. Hi. <laughs> the, the, the lady killers uh, blanking on some other things that he did, but you know, he was just kind of this very stable director and this was after doing all those ealing comedies this seems very dark yes <laughs> i brought it back to center with the trivia i'm very happy and yes good job okay good i feel well, i feel like we're less aggravated now yeah yeah okay. I'm, I'm feeling now that i brought the up the weight has been lifted uh, Bert, by Bert Lancaster, Lancaster and a g-string and gold paint yeah there you go yeah. yeah yeah we'll have to call up some photos so anyway did uh either of you have anything else to add JJ's secretary was Miss Moneypenny. Just yes! Like, oh, thank yes. you! Thank you! Yes! That's been bugging the fuck out of like, me! Like, she was yes. clearly Moneypenny. No yes. wonder she totally needed to fuck his ass over. Right? Yes. Yes, because that she was dealing with James Bond whenever Falco was in her office, and she was mm-hmm. just like, you're cute. You're I'm cute. not going out with you. No. no. But you can give me chocolates at Christmas. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll Except let you do at that. Christmas to make it yeah. legi- legitimate. Make it, make it legitimate, because mm-hmm. we are not entertaining that rumor. <laughs> But you will give me chocolate at Christmas. Oh, aren't you cute? You're not cute. You're not cute. You're not cute, but give me chocolate. Yeah. Uh, you can give me things. That's pat, fine. Pat, 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 pat. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. I like oh, that. Oh, and the, in the theater, when he's yeah. like fucking with his sister mm-hmm. and she just gives him that look because she's at the table like messing with the papers or whatever mm-hmm. in the script. Oh, yeah. And she just gives him that look it's after like that daggers, 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 yes. daggers. I want, I swear she's going to fuck his shit up as much as she can after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rat poison. Yep. And the coffee. Yep. Nine to five. Totally. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. She Lily Tomlin. Was it Lily Tomlin who it was put the the I think it was poison? I think it was Lily Tomlin because I know yeah. it wasn't Dolly Parton. Yeah, and but it was okay. So it was Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, and Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda, that's right. Yeah, it was Lily Tomlin. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. We should watch that again. I love that movie. Okay. Anyway, so dear listeners, <laughs> we will return in a couple weeks. Not with nine to five, though. Not with nine to five. <laughs> no, unfortunately, we will be watching the Manchurian Candidate. <gasps> Which one? Both of them? Both no, of the ori- them? just the original Aww. one. Wait. No, no awes about that, because that is Angela no, Lansbury no, no. territory. No, no, no. Yes. no, no, no. But, but Angela Lansbury and Denzel Washington. Eh, you know, that's fair. Eh. But 
No, the you're, say, you're right. The first yeah. one's way better. Yeah. The, like, I so love Denzel, but the first one's way better. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to watch the, the Manchurian Candidate, and it will post on the day after inauguration. <gasps> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, dear listeners. You're brilliant, <laughs> Melissa. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Tony. So anyway, thank you for joining us, dear listeners. We will join you again in a couple weeks with an episode about the Manchurian Candidate. So uh, until then, I have been Melissa, and this has been Allie and Tanya. And we will see you in a bit. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoy our film fixation. We'll see you next time on a noir education. Thank you for joining us for a real education noir. New episodes arrive on the 7th and 21st of every month. You can find our podcasts and social media feeds on our website at realedunoir.com. Special thanks to Tim Wick, Jeffrey Brown, and Chad Dutton for our theme music. If you like our show, you might also like our parent podcast, A Real Education, which discusses all genres of film. You can find it on the web at realedu.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time. President. Hello, J.J. Bill. My big toe would make a better president. Mr. Hunt's second coach, Joe. Make me a good one, Joe. Yeah.